It is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Ahead this hour, we talk with a pair of actors in Theater Squared's next production, Chicken and Biscuits, about the play, family, and taking care of themselves during a seven-performance week. First, Arkansas Public Library staff, as well as public school librarians, could face criminal prosecution for knowingly lending books to minors about racism, LGBTQ plus culture, and sex education under a new law. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Dozens of tiny library patrons sitting on laps and blankets joyfully participate in a weekly baby bookworm play date at Faithful Public Library this morning. I'm a piece of popcorn sitting in a pan. Bounce me, bounce me as fast as you can. Get ready, Outside the playroom, preschool children browse whimsical picture books on display, including a growing number of culturally diverse titles. Willow Fitzgibbon is director of library services. There's more available, so I would assume that more people are checking out books um, on those topics. But, you know, we, we're really careful to stay responsive to the community in our collection development decisions. And so we do, we listen to patron requests, of course, and then we look at circulation records and make decisions about the collection using some of those metrics as well as professional reviews and awards. But now a new state law passed by critics of progressive children's literature could force libraries to sequester, to hide from public access such books. Please cast up the ballot. By a vote of 24 yay, 5 nay, 5 not voting, Senate Bill 81 passes and roll it. Senate Bill 81, now Act 372, criminalizes librarians and library staff for knowingly furnishing minors literature considered by conservatives to be harmful or obscene. The measure was sponsored by State Senator Dan Sullivan, a Republican from Jonesboro, here speaking for his bill. The libraries are one of our most honored institutions in our nation. They have been historically. Uh, and I appreciate what our libraries do, and I appreciate the opportunities they provide. But we've kind of reached a point where parents need to have some, be empowered. Empowered to legally challenge public and school library print and digital materials on race, equity, and inclusion, queer culture, black history, and more. The law could encourage right-wing parents, guardians, as well as activists to target libraries with complaints. Librarians found guilty of knowingly furnishing items deemed harmful could be charged with a Class A misdemeanor. Librarians who loan materials judged to be obscene could be charged with a Class D felony. Previously, libraries and staff were shielded from such prosecution. The new law assigns city councils and quorum courts to decide the fate of such complaints. Again, State Senator Sullivan. Our quorum court and our city councils volunteered, spent thousands of dollars to run to do their job. That's all we're asking them to do. Just do your job. Judy Calhoun, regional director of the Southeast Arkansas Regional Library System, testified against the bill. I have a five-county regional library. I have a 25-member board. I have five county or quorum court systems that I would have to deal with for every challenged book. I cannot imagine the resources that it's going to cost Southeast Arkansas to meet with these challenges. 
Carol Coffey serves as executive director of the Arkansas Library Association. We are there to serve all of our community, and that means that some materials may not be appropriate for some people, or they may not be desired by some people, but that doesn't mean that the material should not be available. But under this new law, all sorts of literature could be purged from library shelves and digital collections. The types of books, I would say probably um, the ones that I've heard the most would be sex ed books, Um, things like It's Perfectly Normal or Sex is a Funny Word. There are certainly books on um, LGBTQ issues and also on race issues that have been mentioned by title. Coffee says she understands the motive to protect children from harm. I'm not sure that this is the best way to go about it because what you end up doing is taking materials in which one child might find representation of themselves or might find something that will help them deal with a situation that they find themselves in through no fault of their own. If that material is not there in a library, where are they going to to find it? Coffee says she's advising libraries to prepare in advance of the law taking effect in a few months. Make sure that parts of your policy that are needed to change in order to comply with the law, make sure that that has been done. And then when the challenges start coming in, follow your procedure follow your policy. She does not expect libraries will intentionally cleanse collections of titles at risk of being challenged. Um, I don't think that most libraries will do that. We, we are not in the business of censoring materials simply because we think someone might not like them. The American Library Association, which tracks book bans across the country, cites nearly 3,000 unique titles censored in 2022, up nearly 40 percent from the previous year. 16 U.S. states have also instituted book bans, led by Florida, Tennessee, and Texas. A rural Texas library may soon be forced to close by conservative county commissioners after challenged books were returned to shelves due to a federal judicial ruling. Nate Coulter is executive director of the Central Arkansas Library System in Little Rock, the largest in the state, which accommodates several million visitors and patrons annually. During the session, he testified against the bill. But it was a sad day as a native of Arkansas to think that we'd come to a point where, in the name of protecting children, a group of what I think are hope or a minority of the community, but are very vocal and sanctimonious, want to impose their standard of what they think is appropriate on libraries. And that is to say, what they don't want their children reading. They don't want anybody else's child to read. Coulter fields reconsideration complaints, a library formality, by those seeking to have a book removed from a collection. He says this new law vastly undermines that process. Instead of having our library board be the ultimate arbiter of someone's request, what Act 372 does is now send that to politicians in city halls and quorum courts all over the state. We will not let professionals or library board members decide, we will let elected politicians decide what's appropriate to be in that library. Coulter worries that quorum courts and city councils across Arkansas will now decide which librarians are guilty of knowingly lending harmful or obscene books. So there is a provision that says it must be knowingly harmful to minors, but how do we know? Is it someone who's the sponsor of this bill or one of the many people who came out and testified in favor? Is it their definition of what's harmful to minors? 
or is it our library professionals? Is it is it the library board or is it the city board that might review all that? Who knows? The new law, he says, is vague on judicial civil proceedings against librarians found guilty by quorum courts and city councils. So he and staff are preparing. What we will do is we will make an attempt to uh, exhaustively review with our lawyers what changes might need to be implemented, what the cost of those will be, how burdensome we can do that. Uh, and then we will begin to try to train our staff and, and try to implement it. So uh, it is, it is, I think, an understatement to say that the burden is going to be enormous to try to get our hands around it and to try to comply with it. Coulter says the new law may mobilize librarians to relocate what some consider to be offensive materials. Again, for example, juvenile literature on racial equity, queer culture, and social justice to deter activists seeking out such books for challenges. Act 372 also forces libraries, which historically practiced right to privacy, to disclose confidential library records of juvenile patrons to parents or legal guardians upon request. The consequence could expose questioning youth, for example, who've accessed literature on queer identity to be forcibly outed. Back at Faithful Public Library, Willow Fitzgibbon says current collection procedures will not change. No, right right now we don't feel like we've, that we're doing anything wrong. We feel really confident in our collection development policy. We know that the books that we've selected were, were selected for very good reasons. Just like I said, they're reviewed highly by critics. They've won awards. They have popularity amongst our community and other communities, publisher reputation, just lots and lots of reasons that the selections were made. And so we feel confident in our collection and um, are not changing the way that we're selecting materials or shelving materials. Until two years ago, data show a vast majority of library challenges tended to be restricted to single books. Now sweeping literature challenges organized by right-wing activist groups via social media, according to the American Library Association, are upending a constitutionally protected right to read. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Ahead this hour, when a family gathers to bury a patriarch in the play Chicken and Biscuits, siblings don't always see eye to eye. And you will see that Beverly and Benita, um, and there's actually a line in the show that says, you are more alike then you, you are, are different. A, yeah. And, but and in sometimes the moment, it's hard to recognize Because that. you're looking yeah. at a mirror. Who yeah. likes to look at a mirror of themselves? Right. No, one. no one. Especially yeah. not when you've gained weight. On stage, actors Mara Gale and Kathy Tyree are sisters Brianna and Benita in the Theater Square production of Chicken and Biscuits opening this week. We'll talk to them about the play, family dysfunction, and more later on today's Ozarks at Large. What can you expect from the second season of The R Word? a podcast about reparations in Northwest Arkansas. Host Lowell Taylor talks with author and economist Dr. William Darity, author and rapper Propaganda, author Dr. Christina Edmondson, and others about reparations, social, and economic justice. A preview of season two is available right now at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Kyle, we're going to have some visitors in the Carver Center for Public Radio later this week. 
not I was going to say in mass. That's not quite true, but a lot of future journalists, right? That's right. So uh, on Thursday and Friday, we will have high school journalists who will be uh, in Fayetteville for the Arkansas Scholastic Press Association Conference. A lot of stuff happening around downtown Fayetteville. They'll be in the Prior Center. They'll be in the Town Center. And we'll have some students here at KUAF. Uh, I'm going to be leading a conversation about creating podcasts. What does that look like? How do you go about doing that? Um, and then also doing a listening session where some students will have some stuff for me to listen to, can give some feedback uh, on, on their work. And really excited that high school students are interested and want to pursue audio journalism. And are you not on a panel this weekend? That's right, yes. So there's also a panel, so a different conference, the Society of Professional Journalists, which is a combination of high school, college, and also like professional journalists across the region are coming to Fayetteville this weekend as well. Um, and uh, and I will be talking about podcasts at that conference, too. Jacqueline Froelich from Ozarks at Large is going to be talking about her coverage of environmental uh, things happening across our listening region. Um, so we will both be talking uh, in different panels uh, on Saturday morning as That's well great. for that. So And we'll also have some folks uh, coming and doing a tour from Society of Professional Journalists, too. So lots of future and career journalists making their way into the Carver Center for Public Radio. Support for KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, featuring locally grown vegetable plants, herbs, garden accessories, and more. Garden starts are available at all four Westwood Gardens locations in northwest Arkansas. Westwoodgardens.com for more. Listening for us by artist Raphael Lozano Hemmer returns to Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art this spring. On view now through May 28th, this outdoor nighttime interactive experience includes eight immersive installations activated by visitor participation. Listening for us is free for ages 18 and under. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Callums. In March, the U.S. median average rent fell nearly a half a percent year over year to $1,937, according to an analysis from Redfin. This is the first decline since March of 2020 and is the lowest median rent in 13 months. Arkansas's rent rates have been climbing, however. Year over year, rent prices in February rates rose nearly 19% in the state, according to Rent.com, and Northwest Arkansas's housing affordability continues to be a focus for the region's cities and organizations. The overall vacancy rate in the region is 2.3% for multifamily units, and the average selling prices of homes is up about 27% according to this past September's RVS Skyline report. The University of Arkansas will host a formal investiture of the institution's seventh chancellor, Dr. Charles Robinson, tomorrow. Events will begin on the mall between Mullins Library and Arkansas Union at noon with live music, booths featuring registered student organizations, and food. The formal investiture ceremony is scheduled for two tomorrow in the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on campus. The Fayetteville Public Education Foundation will distribute nearly a half million dollars in teacher grants and student scholarships tonight at the annual Celebration of Excellence. The foundation will distribute 51 innovative and pioneering grants at the celebration, as well as 10 scholarships to seniors. This year's distribution came from the Fayetteville Public Education Foundation's $4.8 million endowment, which generated over $195,000 in grant awards and scholarships. 
More than $242,000 in funds awarded tonight come from grants created through gifts from corporations, foundations, and individuals. Tonight's event is at the Arkansas Air Museum. Earth Day will be officially observed around the world Saturday, though activities in northwest Arkansas are scheduled throughout the weekend. Among the events scheduled across the region, an Earth Day festival at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks in Fayetteville. Lane Berry, the communications coordinator at BGO, says Earth Day will be celebrated there Friday. Our members get in for free, and adults pay $10, kids pay $5, except if you are under the age of four, then you you can also get in for free. And it'll just be a family-friendly festival celebrating all things Earth Day. We have a bunch of community partners. We'll have interactive activities, crafts, tables and booths. We have a live music. We have band, a band coming, a magic show, live animals and bugs to see, and just all kinds of stuff to learn about throughout the day. Performers include the musical duo March to August and magician Alan Burdick. Greedy Goats NWA will bring a herd of goats, and Shiloh Museum of Ozark History will host a sun printmaking workshop. Saturday, Fayetteville Parks and Recreation will host a citywide cleanup of city parks, lakes, streams, trails, and streets. The staging ground is Marion Orton Recycling Center on North Street. The Illinois River Watershed Partnership will host a fourth annual Earth Day River Cleanup Saturday from 9 to 3. Free Earth Day celebrations also scheduled at Eureka Springs Community Center. That's Friday from 10 to 4. And Fort Smith Brewing Company is hosting Earth Day at their brewery Saturday beginning at 2. A trio of 80s pop acts will be at the Walmart Amp this summer. It was announced yesterday the venue will host Culture Club, Howard Jones, and Berlin Monday, August 14th. Tickets go on sale to the public tomorrow. The Razorback softball and baseball teams head into the weekend with wins. Last night, the number 12 softball team defeated Texas A&M Commerce 8-1 at Pogo Park, while the number 5 baseball team defeated Central Arkansas 6-3 at Baum Stadium. And last night in Springdale, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals evened their record to 5-5 with a 16-6 win over Amarillo. The same two teams play again tonight at Arvest Ballpark. Theater Squared places family, food, and a funeral on stage for its next production, Chicken and Biscuits. The comedy, written by Douglas Lyons, premiered at Queens Theater in the Park in early 2020 before moving to Broadway in 2021. The premise, an extended adult family gathers to bury their grandfather, who's their patriarch. A family secret is then revealed. Family drama ensues. Mara Gale and Kathy Tyree are sisters Brianna and Benita in the play. And they came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio yesterday. It is so much fun to do. I am finding working with these amazingly talented people and not to mention the team that has been flown in from all over the world has been a wonderful experience. I call it marvelous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, director and the, the casting team have done an amazing job. Um, like Mara said, this ensemble is so beautiful because we are all so uniquely different mm-hmm. and we all bring so many different perspectives to it um, that while it is a comedy, there really is a story. 
Yeah. And and because of the different personalities and energies and vibes, the story is told beautifully. It is. Yeah. Let's not give too much away, but we <laughs> but we can tell people that this centers on a family that has come together yes. because of a funeral. Mm-hmm. A dysfunctional and the fun part of dysfunction is what we like to highlight, but you know, sometimes it's the things that you laugh at that makes you the most uncomfortable. And so it is a comedy, but we actually we talk about the LGBTQ+ plus community. We talk about fam- family dynamics and secrets mm-hmm. held. We talk about the res- rules of the church. The rules of the, the, rules chur- the church. Of the church. Let's say amen. <laughs> we also talk about um, the, the 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 need to release some of those old ideas um, and. Um, what do you call it? Rules rooted so in speak. tradition. Rooted in yeah. tradition yeah. that do not serve you, maybe, that may not serve you. There's also a bit of with any family, mm-hmm. dysfunctional or otherwise. Ooh. And are there families that aren't dysfunctional? I don't think no. Yes, there Find are. One that, Leave it to Beaver on not. TV and the Brady Bunch. <laughs> that was about it. Every other we, family in real life. And they were pretty dysfunctional. They were dysfunctional. Okay, we just they didn't know it because our family families were more dysfunctional. So we <laughs> right. thought they, they yeah. existed. But no, every family has its hiccups, its yeah. problems, its its, you know, moments. But what I think is unique about this one is you get to see them all on full display. And at the same time, you get to see the humanity, the humanity in each of them and how they resolve it or deal with it. It's not tightly buttoned up in, you know, in a neat little bow, but you have highlighted moments of closure in some of the cases. And that's the the beauty of it um, and the hope that when audience members come to see this show, Mm -hmm. they will identify their family members on stage. Oh, that's Uncle such and such. Oh, that's Auntie Rita. Exactly. Well, for being honest, when we're sitting, we're going to identify ourselves a little bit in a lot of the characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> siblings at the core here. Mm-hmm. And siblings are always an interesting dynamic. Yes. Truly. Especially adult siblings. Yes. Say that again. Especially adult siblings. <laughs> that part. Because yes. everybody comes with a grown whole personality and you cannot pick your family. Right. And right. that is true in this play. And you will see that Beverly and Benita, um, <laughs> and there's actually a line in the show that says you are more alike than, than you, you are, are different. Oh, yeah. And, but and in sometimes moment, it's hard to recognize because that. you're looking yeah. at a mirror. Who yeah. likes to look at a mirror of themselves? Right. No, one, no one, especially yeah. not when you've gained weight. <laughs> but yes, all of those things are 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 shared and showcased, highlighted in the production. What I think is really exciting is this is a recent script. Yes, yes. Yeah. very on Broadway. What, 2021. Two? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Very yeah. new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was at the center stage, I believe, first in mm-hmm. Brooklyn mm-hmm. and then moved on to, to, Broadway. to Broadway. So it is a new a new work, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. yeah. And Douglas Lyons, Douglas Lyons. Um, has done a beautiful job. Yeah. And so it's an honor to be able to bring his story to the yes. stage. Um, one we of got the a things chance that to I, meet him, too, yeah, we got via a chance Zoom. To meet him. He Zoomed in to find out if we had any questions that he could answer. And uh, it was very helpful. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's priority for me is to always try to stay true and honor the playwright. And and try to stay in that vein of what the playwright was thinking, what the intention was. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my hope is one of my many hopes for this production is that Douglas is proud. Yeah, that we do it justice, that he's proud and that it highlights the areas that he wanted to um, 
emphasize. Yeah, and I think our, our director, De- Denise, oh, Denise Chapman, Chapman, is doing a beautiful job of hitting I those notes and pulling it out and and making it all come together. Yeah, She's amazing. She has she a unique amazing. way of approaching the art, too. She she flew in an intimacy coordinator. We had an entire workshop to make sure that we were comfortable with each other. You yeah. wanted, I could tell your eyes, your wheels are like, and what is that? Well, <laughs> no, I have often wondered about that because when you have – an emotional relationship with uh, an, your character mm-hmm. has one with another stage. That mm-hmm. means you're going over for weeks yes. mm-hmm. those emotions. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. I think that that's important. Area. It was yeah. very important, important to be able to detach. And, and she and highlighted that. that. She yeah. made sure that we had a designated time to focus and, and concentrate on that. She flew in a young lady out of, was she in L.A.? L.A. Uh, named Sasha. She was fabulous. Fabulous. And we were able to do these check-in exercises. We explored each other's, you know, limitations. Um, and it was very helpful. And in addition to that, our set designer, mm-hmm. uh, Marie, is flown here from, I can't remember the city. And then Devario. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Devario, mm-hmm. who is in high demand. Our costume designer, fabulous, so sought after. It, he's working this project and several others. Very, very talented yeah. team. Yeah. And, and so from that workshop, we still do check-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, at mm-hmm. the top of every show, anybody that you have direct contact with or intimate contact yeah. with, you go to each other to share what what is Daily. this day. What Daily. is this Cause day you like? could, I could maybe you could touch my hand today and maybe tomorrow somebody grabbed my hand. And that's not permissible. And so we go, right. mm, you so could you, do an elbow bump. Yeah. So we make sure that we acknowledge and that we get approval to be able to have some kind of physical touch. And that matters. The power of no matters. One of the things that I admire about actors is over the course of this run, there'll be a couple dozen performances or so. But it always seems like it's the first time to us watching mm-hmm. it. Yes. Is that something you have to consciously think about? Or does that just then become part of the groove with a good director and a good team? A little I bit I think of both. both. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say both. that. And, yeah. I, and I believe it's because we are trained, for theater in particular, unlike TV and film where you should hit it pretty much the same, for theater, you want every person that pays money to come and see you. And even if they had a comp ticket, every person who attends, we want them to have a connection, and we want them to feel as if we're doing it just for them. So that's a part of our job, and it is also a part of the team. If you have a, a great ensemble like we have, it makes our job even easier to know that when we get out there, we're giving it our all because it's fresh for us. And that also, if you're doing seven shows a week, it keeps it new and exciting and keeps you engaged so that you never become complacent and it never becomes a mediocre piece of work. Wouldn't you agree with mm-hmm. that? Absolutely. Do either of you have a routine as you get closer to opening night? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read through the script every single day mm-hmm. prior to arriving at the theater, hitting all of my lines from beginning to end, no matter how well I think I know them. Um, I usually get to the theater prior to the actual call so that I can settle myself down. Um, and then I report backstage prior to and just find a quiet space to just really start bringing the character into my body and locking in on who, who I'm portraying on stage. And so I, I do it the same way every night, hopefully 
to give the most consistent performance every <laughs> night. But because it's live, sometimes you don't know what you might happen what on stage. Because if don't someone know. else does something yeah. out of what they normally do, the show must go That's on. Right. And so you have to shift a bit, which will change the energy Absolutely. and the intention for Absolutely. that moment. My routine is somewhat similar, but I add an element of music. I like instrumental music, and that kind of just calms me so that I can I can loop in my character with a track of instrumental music, usually some form of jazz. <laughs> Chicken and Biscuits is in the title. Is there, do we know that food is part of this family's culture? Do we you have definitely. conversations? We yes, know that it Douglas was, Lyons yeah. has been very intentional about sharing what that title comes from. Yeah. And you will, you will definitely understand why mm-hmm. it's called Chicken and Biscuits by the time you are licking your fingers <laughs> and wiping your mouth. <laughs> Thank you both so much for coming in. Thank you. I can't wait to see it. Thank Thank you. you. We can't wait for you to see it. Appreciate your time. Mara Gale and Kathy Tyree are sisters Brianna and Benita in the Theater Squared production of Chicken and Biscuits. That play opens tonight and then will continue at Theater Squared in downtown Fayetteville through May 14th. Our conversation took place yesterday at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Founded in 2016, Fayetteville Virtual Academy serves Northwest Arkansas students in kindergarten through 12th grade and allows families to partner with qualified Fayetteville Public Schools teachers to provide students with a personalized learning experience and reimagine education. The school choice deadline is May 1st. Applications are now being accepted. More at fva.fayar.net. Opera in the Ozarks kicks off its Spring Alumni Recital Concert Series at Thaden School in Bentonville Sunday, April 23rd with an afternoon of arias and art songs featuring internationally recognized soprano Katrina Thurman and baritone Pal Brum, accompanied by pianist Hyun Kim. Tickets available at opera.org. In just a few minutes on, really in just like a minute, on Ozarks at Large, we'll go into the Furman Garner Performance Studio with the Austin, Texas-based band Good Looks. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dennis had them in a while ago. Yep. All right, Matthew, before we do that, yes. I have to ask, did you ever subscribe to Netflix when you got the CDs in the mail? I did. I was in college. Envelopes? Uh-huh. Yeah. And actually, the, the town I went to college in, in southern Illinois... Uh, we also had two thriving uh, DVD rental stores ah. as well. And so Netflix was kind of like priority one. And then from there, it was like, okay, if Netflix didn't have it, I can't get it quick enough. I'll go check out the rental stores. But yes. Well, Netflix announced yesterday they are ending the CD rental business. I saw that. In September of this year, they'll send out their last DVD. Yeah. Remember the Netflix Quickster, the the separation of the two companies that lasted all of 25 minutes? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Do you remember the first DVD you rent, you rented through Netflix? It was probably something I took a film studies course uh mm-hmm. my freshman year, and so it was probably something for that. My guess is it was probably Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Ooh, Mind, like which is movie. a strange movie yeah. for like to be someone's first thing. You would think it would be something like Superbad or Anchorman, especially like an 18-year-old boy in college. But I think it was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Laura, this is when she was doing a fellowship in D.C., so we lived apart for 11 months. She joined 
the Netflix subscription service while she was in D.C. Uh-huh. Then when she was moving back here, she transferred it back to our home address, and she said, I won't be there for a couple, three weeks. Why don't you look over, and you get something that you would be interested in. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm going to get that Kurosawa film I've never seen. I'm going to get that Fritz Lang silent film that was such an influence on uh, modern American noir. Uh-huh. And then I got the first season of Green Acres. <laughs> when left to my own devices. And I never got the Kurosawa or the Fritz line. Anyway, I noticed that yesterday and I was interested. Let's go to music. Yes. The Austin-based band Good Lux is no stranger to our program. Members of the band first visited with us back in late 2017, and they've stopped by a few times since. While on the way back home from a show in Missouri earlier this year, Tyler Jordan, Jake Ames, Phil Dunn, and Harrison Anderson stopped by the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUF to catch up with and perform for Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. Don't you cry for me When 
Thank you so much for stopping in while you are on the way home. Uh, tell us a little bit about the show you just came from. It was a film festival, right? Yeah, that's right. We played at uh, True False in Columbia, Missouri. It was a really great time. We saw some good movies. Just saw Bad Press. That was so phenomenal. We really yeah. dug that movie. Do you get to play many film festivals or festivals in general? This is the first film festival we've ever played, so that felt really cool. And it's kind of a combo thing. Like They have some music sets before the music, and then in the evening they've got some more traditional venue-type shows. Yeah. We've played a few festivals. I mean, we've played ACL and Hopscotch Festival in Raleigh and Kerrville Folk Festival. Kerrville Folk Festival. Right. Yeah, right. that's our favorite. A lot of, a lot of Texas festivals. Yeah. We're playing Utopia Fest coming up. Oh, and you've yeah. got South by Southwest shows That's coming right. up too, right? right. That's we're right. also playing Tree Fort too. Oh, Tree Fort, uh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Boise. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, we're basically a festival band now. That's, <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, guys, it's pronounced Boise. Uh, yeah. It's Boise, not Boise. Boise. Yeah, yeah that's it was something that we found out when we, we played up there at Neurolux uh, yeah. a couple months ago. Uh, somebody was like, "Yeah, it's Boise." I was like, mm. oh. "Oh, okay." It's kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all were actually just named Best Rock Band of the Year by the Austin Chronicle, right? That's right. Yeah, it was uh, at the Austin Music Awards, and and uh, we're now officially the best rock band in Austin. How does, how does that feel? Like, does that carry weight to it? Or It feels good. I mean, we're just bullying the other rock bands. We're just like, <laughs> you know, anytime we see them out, we're like, oh, you're not the best rock band. Be it, nerd. <laughs> and you, yeah, we you hit them with the plaque. <laughs> yeah, that they gave us. <laughs> we haven't yeah. exercised that flex I take yet. it with me. Yeah. <laughs> the plaque. Yeah. So... You played one song off of your last record while you were here today. You played two newer songs. You're writing new material. Uh, planning on releasing any anytime soon? Yeah, we got a new record almost completely done. We're just doing the last. We still got to master it and kind of finish up the mixes. But 
we're hoping to have it out in 2023. It's looking like maybe maybe fall, but it's it's mm-hmm. hard to say. You know, we're still kind of in the very preliminary stages of that. But definitely, we've got a bunch of new material. Yeah. What else are you all looking forward to in this coming year? Yeah, I mean. We covered a lot of it in the in the festival chat. We, we are <laughs> the next couple of things. We're, we're definitely looking forward to South by and 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 Tree Fort Festival, and then we've got a little bit of a break, and I think we'll do a East Coast and Midwest tour. Looks like maybe in June. Okay. So, yeah, just kind of seeing what what pops up. Yeah, hopefully a show here in Fayetteville. I hope so. It's been too long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pre-pandemic, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. snowing wow. too. It was really it was really cold. We've just had a hard time putting it together here. It's yeah. like, you know, it'll be the wrong, we'll come through on like an off night or something. Right. It's just, it just hasn't worked out, but we'll definitely try to try to make it happen soon. Good. There's a new face in the band. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sitting next to me. I mean, I know this is in, in, in radio, so you can't, you can't see who's sitting next to me, but he is sitting next to me. His name is Harrison Anderson. He's our new bass player. Hi. That was his <laughs> Welcome voice. Welcome to Fayetteville. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah. We're really excited to add him to the band. Our last bass player, Robert, things ended on really good terms, but it, it just turned into a lot more touring than I think mm-hmm. anybody thought. We added a booking agency, and just we were really busy last year and mm-hmm. gone for a month at a time, a couple of times. And so he, he kind of had to step back, had more more fiscal uh, responsibilities than mm-hmm. than the rest of us. And so... Well, this is the third full band visit y'all have had to favor with the third bass player. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, are you planning on sticking around for maybe another visit? <laughs> I, I hope to to make it to the next visit. To <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope to play the show next time we're in town, <laughs> which is in June. So just a few months away. I'm hoping I, hope yeah. I make it. Yeah. Well, you better watch out, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping and playing and talking yeah, with us. For doing this. And yeah, thanks so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Travis out in your backyard where it was boundless tying up trees and grass.
That was Tyler Jordan, Jake Ames, Phil Dunn, and Harrison Anderson performing as good looks inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio earlier this year. You can find out more about the band on social media or at goodlooksband.com. The next time they will play near our region is May 15th. That night, they will open for Bright Eyes at the Hall in Little Rock. Until then, here's another song performed by Good Looks earlier this year in our Furman Garner Performance Studio. Take it back, it's nice to leave it I was stuck here for 
gone Yeah, it's gone And if it's gone Then it's gone Yeah, it's gone Home 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 The band Good Looks, performing inside our Furman Garner Performance Studio earlier this year. Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, concludes its season Saturday, April 29th at Walton Arts Center with Evoking Folklore, performing works by Jared Tate, Manuel Dafala, and Aaron Copeland, each a storytelling of folklore, from traditional Spanish stories to Chickasaw Nation tales and classic Americana. Tickets at sonamusic.org. Mid-America Arts Alliance, with support from the Walton Family Foundation, presents the Artists 360 Full Circle Showcase at Crystal Bridges from 1 to 3 p.m. Sunday, April 23rd. This weekend's free event features talks and performances from a variety of Arkansas artists, including Justin Peter Kinkelschuster, Jasper Logan, and Mega Rao. Learn more at artists360.art. Botanical Garden of the Ozark celebrates Earth Day 2023 this Friday, April 21st, from 3 to 6 p.m. This outdoor event will feature giveaways, interactive activities, live music, a magic show, and more for the whole family. Guests are also welcome to bring a picnic. Registration and ticket information at bgozarks.org events or at the gate. Tomorrow on Ozarks, anticipating a growth in electric vehicle charging in the region. Since we put that one charging station in up by City Hall, I was looking back at the data last week, um, and most recently we've had over 300 charges per month uh, at that one charging station location. Um, since 2013, the utilization has increased by 3,000%. An explainer on the current and future status of EV charging tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF, or you can listen in the KUAF app for iPhone. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Conscientious objectors occupied a camp near Magnolia during World War II. Camp Magnolia was opened in June 1941 in a former Civilian Conservation Corps site to house men who had performed public service because their beliefs would not let them serve in the military. They would work 40 hours a week, mostly building dams and reservoirs and planting trees on local farms, though some complained that they were building recreational ponds for large landowners. They were unpaid and had to cover their own lodging. Around 400 men served at Camp Magnolia, only nine of them being from Arkansas. Fifty men took part in nutrition experiments in which they ate dehydrated grass tips for three months to see if they could be eaten in food shortages. While the men were allowed to leave the camp, they sometimes faced hostility from locals, and three men were threatened with lynching. A tornado destroyed Camp Magnolia on April 10, 1944, and the men were transferred to other camps. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Cedarville. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media 
at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich, Timothy Dennis, and Mark Christ. Matthew produced the program today in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. We also had material today from Anna Pope. Thank you very much, Anna. Ozarks at Large and KUAF are listener-supported, and you can contribute at any time by going to supportkuaf.com. You're also able to keep up with what you might have missed on our show by subscribing to the free Ozarks at Large newsletter. Each newsletter is free and offers links to stories and interviews you might have missed. You can also then use those links to share those stories and interviews with other people through social media or email. You can sign up right now at KUAF.com. Kyle, what's the next DVD that you're going to buy? Oh, I know what it is. It's Angels with Dirty Faces with Jimmy Cagney and Humphrey Bogart. There you go. All right. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for listening.